Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Scurry in the Scrub. I don't know why my Zoom keeps talking to me all of a sudden. Like the first 10, 15 episodes, it didn't talk to me. Now it talks to me all the time. Um, today, uh, we're doing our conference finals preview. So we've got uh, Jacob Badilla, who cut his teeth covering the Suns. And we got Cole Huff, who is currently covering the Clippers. So we're going to kind of get like a, a little tussle going between them and see who comes out as the uh, NBA Suns Clippers expert here. Um, but we were just talking off camera first about the Suns and four guy. So if you guys haven't caught up on this, uh, like at Nuggets, I think it was what game three, right? In Denver, yeah. game three in Denver with those fans fighting or whatever. And the dude in the Nash jersey grabbed the dude in the Jamal Murray jersey, like hockey fight style, ripped the jersey over his head, uppercutted him like six times. Uh, told his boy that he was whipping his ass <laughs> and then called out sons in four and then they swept and then D book gave him like what an autographed Jersey and tickets to the conference finals. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, so what we were, what we were about to talk about is like, we were setting off a ripple effect of like Devin Booker inadvertently encouraging sons fans to whip Clippers fans asses. Right. So like, that's what we're dealing with right now. Is that the situation? So I, I think uh, kind of, the, the full video showed that uh, it was kind of self-defense with that guy in particular, like the, the Nuggets guys were coming at him oh, and sure. kind of yeah. ended it. So, and I think that's kind of like, cause Devin just kind of reached out and kind of, I think looked into it and then kind of was like, Hey, this dude uh, kind of going into the, uh, the enemy territory and uh, holding his own. And it's like, all right, let's, let's reward this guy um, for repping the sons or whatever. But Again, like now we're seeing kind of copycats. It, it did inadvertently uh, encourage poor uh, behavior because we already saw another fight video after this last game um, where I and the tag was like Suns and Four. So now that's apparently a rallying cry. And like I and the, the Suns had to put out a, a statement today that like <laughs> uh, discouraging that kind of fan behavior. So it's. I, I was kind of hesitant to like go all in. Obviously they're selling all the shirts and people were hyping it up or whatever. I was just kind of, just kind of let it go. I wasn't really getting too, too much involved with it because I will of say that. this. I'd rather have the fans whipping each other's asses than throwing stuff at players. Like, so there was a minute where they were getting a little crazy, like with the players, I'd rather have mm-hmm. them fighting each other than the players. You know what I mean? Oh, it's definitely hundred percent. And yeah. if you're going to do something, at least fight each other, as opposed to anything yeah. involving throwing things on the court or anything else. So exactly. if you're going to be stupid, be stupid and kind of contain it within yourself. Um, so I think it's a lot smarter to fight a guy in a Jamal Jer- Jamal Murray jersey than to actually fight Jamal Murray. So exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll support yeah. that. Yeah, because I, I, like, yeah, you don't even like Kawhi trains like, <laughs> like martial arts, right? Yeah, Kawhi. There's a there's a reason that no commercial? one tried to fight Kawhi. Yeah, so like you go down, if you go down to the arena, like Kawhi probably looks like takeable from Section 220. But if you got down to the floor, like Kawhi's whipping every part yeah. of you. Like, uh, like uh, you seen those hands? Like, there's I yeah. not throw, like, <laughs> No, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> like right. one one punch and I'd be out. So like, like he would yeah. have to open like open hand slaps from Kawhi are like concussive blows. Like that's <laughs> not even yeah. See, like even even the like. The professional athletes that probably have never fought before or can't really fight. I'm I'm 99% sure. Like, if they hit you one good time with how much yeah. they train, how strong they are, yeah. like, 
it's it's really not even fair. Like they can really yeah. do some damage. So yes, they, let let's leave it fans to fans. Preferably fans just watch the game and yeah. enjoy it. But, right, yeah, please. I mean, I guess if they're gonna take it there, then yeah. better with amongst themselves and with the players and stuff. I mean, a, a little bit of trash talk is uh, is always a little bit of fun. Uh, just try not to cross any lines and encourage uh, mass violence. Right, especially because there's probably kids there and stuff too. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the funny part was that just it was like um, like an avalanche of L's for Denver because it was like dude was in a Murray jersey who's not playing because he's got a torn ACL. The Denver was getting just railed by Phoenix, like, and then the Phoenix dude won the fight, like, and then he called the series, like, before it was over. <laughs> that's, the so best, like, that's the best part. Like, but it yeah. actually yeah. was something for. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that was the funny part. It was like L, 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 just like a wave of L's being handed to Denver, and it's like, that's rough. So. But back to your Devin Booker point, I think the only reason it was okay for Devin Booker to come out in support of the Suns and Four guy was because it was self-defense. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. Because the, the, the Nuggets fan poured beer on right. me. Like, if you pour beer on me, we're fighting. Like, that's just <laughs> yeah. point blank, period. So right. I get it. And, like, I bet Devin Booker, somebody on his team was just like, nah, you – it was self-defense. You can go ahead and message this dude. So <laughs> it's not like he's like pounding this guy into the ground. He like ended the fight and the yeah. dude walked away and was like, all right, I'm, and it's over. No, both of them are trying to be famous on it. I actually just watched a video today of the guy who got, yeah, I'll, you saw that? Yeah. The guy who got, uh, dude, that's not, he was like, he was like, oh, he just scratched my nose. That's None it. of those punches connected. No, Stop dude. it. Dude, Stop that, it. That is not the move, dude. Like Stop you, it. you should want, you should not want to be made famous off of this. Like, yeah. You yeah. want to disappear after that. He was like, yeah, you know, he grabbed my chains. He's showing his chains in the video. I'm like, mm-hmm. no one cares, bro. Like, you got rocked. And they, like, zoom out, and the jersey's too small, so his pants are – and his pants are hanging too low. So it's like, dude, oh, yeah. you're He's not – like, you're shorts yeah. under his jeans, like, yeah. back in 2005. I know. Yeah. This dude, who, okay, so raise your hand if you used to live like that, where it was like you're always ready for a basketball oh, game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh. Shorts. I that was, it was uncomfortable in the summer, but you always knew a basketball game was going to break out somewhere. Those were. I just never wear jeans. Boxers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just always wear basketball shorts. I never wear jeans. So. That's okay. That's that's like yeah. supremely ready right there. You're just like always. <laughs> you're always looking for a basketball game. Is what's happening there. Yeah, that that's the Nebraska thing. Dudes in Nebraska just don't. They're not phased by the cold, so they just you wear mouth, shorts. You got a mouthpiece in your back pocket too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. All right. So let's uh let's get into well, first of all, we gotta talk about the teams that are no longer with us. Like, so we gotta give them whatever they need. Like, is we we were watching Philly and the Sixers or the Sixers in Atlanta right last night, right? So there's nothing good coming out of this from Philly's perspective, right? If you're looking for a like they're close to contending type of stuff, like that was a series they should have, if they were even close, they should have walked over Atlanta, right? They blew the big leads. They lost game seven at home. Embiid had eight turnovers, I think, in both game five and game seven in the losses. Um, Ben Simmons doesn't want to dunk. Like, they've got problems, right? They have one legitimate, like, shooting option, essentially, right? And they tried desperately to find him at all times. And But down the stretch, Atlanta just face guarded. Are we just missing Tobias as legitimate? Um. Would you call him a shooter oh, or just like a scorer? I was like, he's a scoring option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my thing about Tobias, though. Here's my thing about Tobias, though. Philly should not have given him all that money. Like, Philly gave him A-star money thinking he was going to be a, like, in-the-moment guy late in the playoff games. Like, mm-hmm. And I, I never thought he was that guy. To me, Tobias has always been, like, 
20 and eight guy, like maybe like that's, that's just him. And like, if he scores 30, it's like, wow. But like, you can't, you can't count on him to score 30. You can just count on him for his 20 and eight, maybe, maybe. And that's maybe. And they kind of got themselves like trapped in that because one, he did have the best season of his career with the Clippers and coming off that, you're like, all right, man, this dude is legit. Um, And then they made the move for him. And then, who like they didn't really have a better option yeah yeah and because he does like you need certain guys when you you're starting with Embiid and Simmons as your core pieces and he's a guy that can shoot he's probably not as consistent as you'd like but the jump shot is kind of the biggest part of his game and then he'll do a little bit of attacking the closeouts and finishing transition all that stuff off of that but it starts with the jump shot with him and that's the kind of guy that you need with them The, the problem is yeah you you had you had to pay him that much money to keep him and there wasn't really a better option. So they kind of got themselves locked into this that trio of Simmons, Harris, and Embiid. Yeah, I'm curious what happens with Ben. Because he's gone the wrong direction in the shooting department. You know, he wasn't a shooter coming out of college. But even when he first started, he was still shooting the ball. You could just see he wasn't that good at it. But now he just, like, his confidence is shot along with this. It's mental. It's mental yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's he, – he, it's such a – weird just like career trajectory and mm. it's kind of an and it's an indictment on the clip or the clippers the uh the, the whole organization there the philly organization and their player development and mb or geez throwing all kinds of wrong names and uh and, and himself simmons the people around him uh, he doesn't have to be a 40 percent three-point shooter uh to, to be a great player he was a great player this season right. and i think we kind of this postseason, the meltdown, uh, just kind of just the complete loss of confidence. We, we can't let that kind of hide the fact that what he did during the regular season to help them get the one seed. He's still an incredible defender. He's still an incredible transition player. He's a really valuable NBA player. It's just for whatever reason, things got into his head and he just was afraid to shoot the ball. I don't, the free throw thing was just bizarre for a guy that's what 61 ish, like for his career. Yeah. shooting 30 percent like the worst ever like that that is just bizarre i think he was 47 percent in the conference uh conference semis or whatever against atlanta it was the worst it was the worst free throw shooting percentage in nba history on that amount of attempts at least like crazy like yeah he's been, I think he's in the 30s for the whole postseason yeah do you think like cole this is probably a better question for you like do you think he can because i was having this question with an old coach today former coach and he was saying do you think like Ben Simmons can even like now even try to incorporate his young. Uh, whatever whatever happens next season, if he, if he if he starts to shoot, like, is it is it recoverable? Is his jump shot like could he come along with his jump shot next season, or is it to a point now where it's just like this is who he is? Well, the thing is, we don't. We don't know what his jump shot looks like, so I can't even. I can't but even that's say my thing. Well, going to get better or not. Do you think he even has the confidence next year to shoot? I think you. I think you have to. I mean, how can you play basketball at this level um, on a contending team with a max contract and not like? Well, it's only like. I mean, we. I mean, also we thought that, you know, how can you go three full games or fourth quarters without attempting a shot? But then he does it again in the fourth. So, mm. I don't know. I don't. I would I would think that at this point of his career, especially after the way that this season ended and all this 
criticism on him that he's going to at least try next year. And if it's just a bad jumper and it doesn't work, he'll probably lose confidence further and might just completely abandon it. But I don't think there's a way that he can not even try to fix the problem next year. You know what I mean? Especially, especially yeah. if he's with Philly next year still, like that's not, that's not going to fly. Oh, and, and that's what like the, the like exit interview is going on right now. Like doc, doc uh, Dr. Rivers said like that he's committed to working on the drop jump shot. And I, I just saw that he's not going to play for Australia um, to spend time working on the skill development. Um, so that seems to be at least some level of um, commitment to trying to make a change there. And the thing is, I think we, the, the thing is, we kind of boil this thing down to too much. I don't think it's simply a matter of him shooting the ball. You can, there are a lot of NBA players that aren't great jump shooters that don't succeed because of their jump shot. You can find other ways to be impactful. And I think one with him, it, the free throws, it, that's where I think you need to start first. Like get that free throw to a, pers- uh, to a respectable level to where you, you don't have to be afraid to get to the free throw line. Cause that was as much as anything. It's not just the fact that he can't shoot a jump shot. It's the fact that he's afraid of contact and being sent to the free throw line in the fourth quarter. So he wasn't even involving himself in the offense and giving himself a chance to score. Yeah. Like he's a guy like this dude, you can get him downhill. You can do a lot of things with him on offense without him being a, a, a threat to shoot it from the three point line. But part of that too, is I think Philly needs to um, kind of rework that roster and his role a little bit. You can't, I don't think he can be right. the full-time point guard. Like you've got to use him in a different way. You can still have stretches where he's running the offense and everything, but he can still be an effective player with his limitations in a different role, I think. But I don't know if Philly's got the personnel like to make that happen. Are his, his skills, I'm not saying he's LeBron, but his skill set matches what like a young LeBron had. So when when teams when when GMs were trying to build a championship roster around LeBron, they just stuck shooters around him. Like Philly doesn't have that. Philly's got a bunch of Ben Simmons is running around there. Like Embiid is a freak, so like he's different. But Curry can shoot, and then who's coming off? Who's coming off screens where Ben can hit them in stride and let them let them go up? Like who's doing that? It's, all, it's almost like the, it's like the creativity part of it, and not enough on the team. It's like the Giannis argument, right? Uh, yeah. We we kind of talk about that. I mean, you compare him to like a younger LeBron, but like. Giannis can't shoot. Giannis has a lot of the same. I mean, he's a little, he's a little bit taller and longer and stuff, but they have the same physical uh, attributes and they have the same style of play where everything is mostly downhill. They probably handle the ball a little bit more than they should. And you would like to see someone of that stature and of that, you know, build quality would be a little bit closer to the basket, whether it's, you know, ducking in on mismatches or on smaller guards or a little bit more cutting whatever, running just some different actions for him. But I think him always starting uh, the play on the perimeter and trying to be the, the the point guard, so to say, should like probably be limited a little bit um, just because he's so good in, in other areas of the game. And I think that I, I don't know what type of physical conditioning he's in, but I think that wears on him probably mentally and physically as well. Like just having to, to do so much of the offense that they're not throwing the ball to Embiid because they don't have – they don't have JJ Redick anymore. They don't have yeah. uh, Ursan Ilyasova or whoever whoever they had. Dario Saric, like they don't have those guys to to stretch the floor. So, I mean, a lot of 
I can't I can't put it all on on one person or the other. Like right. a lot of it is on him because he's out there playing. But the the coaching staff needs to figure out how to get him in better positions as well. That that's my thoughts on that. I swear, I think like the first possession of their playoff run started with him getting a post up on a guard, and he like just went up and scored easily on him. Like, and then did you ever see it again? No, I know that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, right. like a little back to the it was like a booty ball ISO, and he scored easily. And then it like they didn't like I don't even think I saw it anymore. That was the only time. Right. I was like, why aren't you? If that's your first play of your playoff run, that should be like a staple, I think. You know, that you means should... you're committed to going to that. If you're doing it yeah. the first play of the game, you're like, all right, we're gonna establish this yes. going forward. So. Right. That's what that's why it was so weird. It was like, okay, you got that going. Uh, I don't even remember who they played in the first round now. I forgot who they who they play. Washington. Yeah, Washington. Like, yeah. It's like you beat up on a you know, a team that won their way in essentially. That wasn't even a top eight seed. And you're like, why aren't you why aren't you doing that to people? Yeah. You tell me there's no one on Atlanta you can exploit that way with Ben, with who you know. Like if you get tra- if you get Trey mashed up on him, it. you tell me Ben Simmons can't take Trey down there and do that exact same thing all day. He did it to Gallinari at the end of the game. Just didn't yeah. shoot it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like come on, you gotta like you gotta put your people in the right spots there. So that's like so. Doc's the one that the headlines right now are Doc. The Doc's quote about him not being sure if Ben Simmons can be a point guard on a championship team, and everybody's kind of picking that one apart right but like some of this is on doc too because oh. if we're talking about his <laughs> body of work doc doc rivers has quite a body of work that's not like complimentary for his playoff stature either like he's got the ring yeah. in 08 with boston that's doing a lot of heavy lifting for his resume because yeah. there's a whole bunch of flameouts like around that you know what i mean? I looked it up today i looked it up today and in closeout games playing like more I think it's more than eight closeout games as a coach like coaching in them mm. Doc has like a 30% win percentage <laughs> which is the lowest all time yeah that's I so I, I follow a lot of uh, Clippers people um, and so I'm very aware of just kind of Clippers fans thoughts on Doc and the way he handled his yeah. rotations yeah. and game plans and everything uh, down the stretch of last year so it's, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't Put Montrez Harrell on Jokic single coverage for the <laughs> the last three games of the series. <laughs> yeah, so but I think I think Cole's right though. Like as much as it's on Ben from a skill set standpoint and develop, and like to him to make his game better as he gets older, it's also on the coaching staff to be like, we're. It was like what we said the other like the other night. Remember when they were in that timeout huddle or whatever and they were blowing that huge lead? And it's like we got to establish habits. It's like, bro, it's June. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't establish habits in June. That has to be like embedded in you already. You need uh, June is where you just execute. That's about execution. Just like go, like let's just do what we've been doing. Yeah, it's about adjustments. Maybe a minor adjustment. And big players making big plays. Yeah. So like as much as we're talking about Ben's limitations right now, and the things that he's got to get better as he enters the prime of his career, um, it's also on Doc and that coaching staff to put him in the right spots based on his strengths. That's what you got to do. You got to maximize strengths, minimize weaknesses. Cause you're not going to like, you just, you don't have a perfect basketball player out there. So you just got to figure out a way to make it, you maximize it. Like how can we put him in a spot where Atlanta can't exploit him and he can exploit Atlanta. That wasn't done the whole series. It's the same thing every day. Who Who's having a better time last night? Who's having a better Sunday night? Brett Brown or Josh Smith? <laughs> no. uh, I Brett Brown, right? Like he definitely did. Brett Brown. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah, I, I told y'all told this <laughs> this process stuff. Like, is the that's my is the process over now? Like, do you do you really think they're gonna rock? They're gonna still try this Simmons and, and B thing, or are they? 
I would, have, blow I would, it up. I would think that Simmons is gone I, for the see, for the right. I can't. Right I can't person, see. Obviously. I can't see him playing in the Sixers jersey next year. Like I can't. Yeah, especially after like some like the Embiid quote in particular, like the the dot quote is what it is. Like it, he shouldn't have to be a point guard. Like that was on Philly for setting himself up and telling everybody and him, no, you are a point guard. Um, like that's on them. They uh, should not have kind of locked him in that box. But the 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 Embiid one, and he was even like hesitant about. It, it was like, all right, how do I say this without completely throwing my teammate under the bus? Well, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, that's not a great look. Uh, but also, like how, like I was saying, though, he's still an incredible player. Can you really afford to sell this low on him? What are the offers going to be? That's, for, see, that's the know? part I get stuck on. Because if they're, if, they're, if, if they're blowing it up, they're giving away Ben Simmons at his lowest possible value, right? Yeah. He's not going to get worse than this. And he's already, and they're already pretty, there are already parts of his game where he's elite. You know what it I mean? just so got the it, number one like, seed. Like what Jacob was saying earlier, if he gets the shooting to like something that's respectable, to where a defense has to le- at least account for it at minimum, you've you've unlocked a, a superstar at this point because he can affect the game in different ways. So yeah, like, they just—it's not like this is a complete failure. They just—they were the number one seed in the East. It was still a very good team, and you've got Embiid out there playing on a torn meniscus. Right. Um. You, you like. It's not like this team can't <laughs> win basketball games as currently constructed. They've got weaknesses that, are, that have clearly held them back once you get to the postseason, and that's something they need to work on. But does this mean that you have to abandon it entirely? And the entire process was about getting putting together this core. So you're really kind of bailing after you got to this point. You're like, all right, we're not even going to try to tweak it. We're not even going to try to figure out um, – a, a different way to do it. Um, Cause like we we're talking, it's not like they've built a perfect supporting cast around them. And it's the Embiid Simmons combo. That is the specific reason for the failure. Obviously Simmons was a huge part of that um, with, with just kind of the meltdown that he had, but I, I don't know that we can assume that that's exactly who he's going to be every postseason for the rest of his career either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that teams can, double and stunt and and commit to MV when he puts the ball on the floor or even catches it on the you know on the extended block area like the fact that teams can do that on a consistent basis speaks to how the team was built I think in my opinion because you if you have pieces around him that that stuff's easy money all day you know what I mean look at the Suns look what happens when teams try to throw a double at Booker yeah just pick them apart right now with their off-ball movement with the spacing the floor with Mikhail Bridges, who's what your fourth best player, like that's a well-constructed team. And that's what happens. You've right. got counters to throw at Philly yeah. just didn't really, I, how much of it is they didn't have any, or they didn't know what to go to. Like were the, were there still things that doc just wasn't able to, to figure out that within the roster that they had, that they could have done some things differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that's, I and I think that's the part that's on doc though, because like you're yeah. saying, we, how long have you been waiting for this team to for Simmons and Embiid to be at their best in the playoffs and finally like bring the best out of each other in a setting. And that has a lot to do with the supporting cast. But I think a lot of what the hope was, was doc was going to come in and unlock that for this team. And it just hasn't been that. And I just, I don't know how much much longer we can wait for these two guys to like be at their peak together for this team to get over some type of hump. Cause they haven't even gotten over any yet. Like it's just been, the same thing over and over again where they look great on paper 
but they never execute when it comes like this, to this. This was their year. They're the number one seed. They got everything going for them. And their path to at least the third round couldn't have been any easier. A playing team, yeah. the Wizards, that wasn't – I mean, they beat them in, in five. They took care of business, but it wasn't really like a lopsided series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Atlanta Hawks team, which they've been better than what I think a lot of people thought they would be. But there's no way Philly is supposed to lose this series, right? Right. No, I agree. Like they should at least be uh, a Western or Eastern Conference final out. Like if they, if they lose, they? yeah, yeah. But, no, but you know what needs to happen though is people oh. need to stop. People need to stop getting rid of Nate McMillan. <laughs> like, I think I looked it up last night. I think like he. This is who's. This is who's bounced Nate McMillan's teams from the playoffs. Duncan, Duncan. Uh, Nash, Dirk, LeBron, LeBron, and then the bubble heat, and then Kyrie and Tatum. So, like, he's, right. he's not he's not, like, getting beat in the playoffs by anybody they got, like, right. any business beating in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hall of Famers or really good squads. Well, Byron, and, dude's ass. Like, he, he's good at coaching young squads like Atlanta. Yeah. Want and, Stop it. And coaches get better, too, just like players. We're seeing yeah. that with Monty Williams right now. Monty in New Orleans looked like a, a coach with a very clear ceiling. Mm-hmm. And even some of the things in Phoenix, you uh, kind of felt uh, uh, hesitant a little bit. You're worried like, all right, um, is, is this going to rear rear its head here once we get to the postseason? But he's done such a good job with this team, and he keeps adjusting. And I think he's learned from wh- where he's failed previously in his career, and he's continued to find ways to uh, I- improve himself. And I think we're seeing the same thing with, with McMillan, where, yeah, he got the rap early on in his career. It's like he's a good coach that can get to it get you to a certain level, but he can't get you over the top. And all it takes is the right mix, the a couple of good decisions here to kind of break through that ceiling. And that's what we're seeing right now with him in yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta, to, was, Atlanta was one of the worst teams in the league. They were headed for like lottery, not even like the play-in stuff. They weren't even in yeah. the window for that. And now he's got them in the conference finals. Like, would you be shocked if they get to the NBA finals? I wouldn't. Like, I think, they, really I think there's a way no, for them. Not, not, not the way not the East has gone this year. Yeah. yeah. So, like, <laughs> the not, yeah. give, that dude, give that dude his flowers finally. Stop firing him. Stop, like, laying him out to dry, like, with these crap. Like, Seattle hung him out to dry. That's why he went to Portland. Um, but he, like, you know, you just, like, he has to he, – he gets this feeling where it's like, yeah, this roster isn't going to continue. I'm going to get fired for this. Like, stop it. That dude's a good coach. He, he should have a job always as long as he wants one, in my opinion. Like, he is established – as a good NBA coach who can get the most out of a roster. And I think that's I all think, he, what else do you want out of a coach? I mean, as a player driven league, right? You need, you need stars to win. So when you're looking for a head coach, all you want is a guy who can maximize a roster. Correct. Am I wrong? Yeah, and that's why I think he will have a job though. Cause I think like you're saying, it's a player driven league and all the, every player who's ever played for him, like raves about him and yeah. all of them play so super, super hard for him. And like, you could even tell this year, like with the guys on the Hawks team, you're like, yeah, some of these dudes, like, even last night, Herter, like, did you expect Herter to, like, be this good, like, in the playoffs? Yeah, like, I, I, I could yeah. see him getting 30 in, like, regular season games for sure, but mm-hmm. for him to... He's better than Bogey, low-key. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I, I like both those guys. I've been a fan of both those guys. Okay. Even back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Bogey's a little banged up, but... All right, let's move over to the West real quick and do... Uh, talk about Utah a little bit. Like, Cole, do you think you're? Do you think this is more about what the Clippers did, or more what Utah didn't do in terms of how that thing shook out um, those last two games without Kawhi, especially? 
It's about like it's a little bit of both because I don't want to discredit the Clippers um, with what they overcame, especially mm-hmm. on the road in game. What was it? Game five uh, without Kawhi learning about it that day. Or maybe they found out the night. I before. think game six was on the road and then seven or no, you're right. Five was on the road. Yeah, I went six. I went six. No, you're right. Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to discredit them. Um, just following them the whole season, though, this is just kind of who they are, which is um, refreshing coming from previous years, especially like last year. Uh, the team would just quit basically like if they didn't have it in the second quarter they'd fall behind 15 20 like the game was over or they give up a big lead if somebody got a little bit of momentum like the they were quitters um so it was refreshing to see this year is a complete opposite you know uh Kawhi being injured low managed whatever everybody in and out Ibaka being in and out Patrick Beverly not being here all year like guys have been in and out of the lineup like Terrence Mann caught a bunch of DMPs this year he didn't even he hardly played against the the Mavericks until the end of the series Mm -hmm. Luke Kennard um same thing everybody talked about the contract extension he got uh making 64 million and he was catching a lot of DMPs those Um, guys started in the G League this year those yeah yeah, those guys like I mean I I don't want to sound too much like a, a Clippers just fanatic over here but like Honestly, oh, I think you guys on together. It's all good. I think I, I think it's <laughs> no, I think you gotta a, keep it real. Yeah, it's a representation of the leadership change. And I think Ty Lu has a lot to do with that. He's been that way throughout his career. Um, which we'll we'll get to with the, the Clippers Sun series at some point. But it's like I feel I have uh, me and a lot of Clippers fans have the complete opposite feeling that we've had in the past, where now we're like Man, they we believe in them. Like, who knows? Like, I don't know. Kawhi's out. Maybe they'll win. Like, there's there's optimism. Um, but then the Jazz too. Uh, I think that's that's got to be a coaching thing as well, right? Like, I think once the the Clippers established that they're going to go small, and I don't think Gobert was as bad as a lot of people are trying to make it out yeah. to be. Um, but I mean, still at some point in, in an elimination game, especially when things are going the way they are. And Terrence Mann is just camping out in the corners and he's hot. He's got 30 plus points. Like at some point you have to abort your, your game plan yeah. and go to something else or else your season's going to be over. Yeah. Um, and they didn't do that. Uh, I don't know if they had any other options because if they would have pulled Gobert out and went small, like the Clippers would have just lived at the rim. Cause that was the, that was, that was the problem with him being in there. I mean, they were Paul George, Reggie Jackson. They're just blowing by Royce O'Neal and, whoever it was off the dribble and that put Gobert in those situations where he had to make a, a decision. So I think the Clippers did a lot of things. Well, um, I think the jazz did not, they didn't adjust. And ultimately like the Clippers, I mean, even, even without Kawhi, which is kind of surprising to say now after the, the jazz were the number one seed throughout the season, but like the Clippers just had a better roster, you know what I mean? And it was feast or famine with the three pointer with the jazz and, they made a lot, but they their defense, which was a top five defensive defensive rating during the regular season, like the Clippers were 119, 131, 120. Like they, they had no answers. And this is a Kawhi-less Clippers team for a couple of those games. So a lot of that falls on them just not living up to expectations as well. Yeah, I think once it, that's the thing, because you're right about Rudy. Like he was food out there, but you also don't have an alternative to that. And if you throw yeah. Derek, Derek Favors is basically. Derek Favors was, was even more food. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Like, and 
and even with, when they were able to take advantage of Gobert, there were still some big possessions out there where he was so good around the basket and teams are so afraid of him that he saved, he stopped layups and, and bunnies and forced them into, I remember there was an air, I think Terrence Mann or something in the lane, little air ball fadeaway jumper because uh, Gobert was there. And then the, uh, the shot clock violation or the um, one where George didn't go up with it and kick, end up kicking it out because Gobert was there. Like when they were able to get him in the right spots, he was still able to make a big impact defensively. It's just like Cole was saying, the guys were getting beat so badly in the perimeter that their entire defense fell apart. They weren't able to do what they're so good at, which has been funneling teams or funneling ball handlers to Gobert and putting them in a position where you're going to have to challenge this guy if you want to go up and get a shot here, or you're going to have to take a bad shot. So um, I think it was everybody's focusing on Gobert and uh, he, for as good of a player as he is, he needs to find a way to be more impactful, even within what was happening in that series, especially offensively. Um, And there were some times there where he just did blow rotations and that kind of stuff. Forget the the one-on-one stuff on the perimeter. There are a couple bad, he just wasn't in the right spots or whatever. Like he's got to be better in some of that, but it was a total failure from top to bottom on that team. And Gobert is just kind of the easy punching bag, I think. I mean, that's a, that, I thought Ty Lue pushed the right buttons that series, though. Like that, you talking about your, your – I, I do think that L.A. played with a little bit of house money in game five because no one expected them to win that game. So they could come out and just be super aggressive and not really have, like, any of that nervous energy rolling around like we guys have been to lose in this game. Um, but, like, he, it's not like – he put those players out on the floor and exploited those matchups accidentally. Like he specifically said, look, we're going to try to compromise this defense with this specific tactic. And it wasn't like Utah was up 25. It wasn't like it was going well in game six. Right. So, but the fact that he's like, look, this is his, I thought his interview at halftime was interesting and coaches don't usually give away the game when they do those interviews. It's very like cookie cutter, but Tyloo does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His advice was very <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah. like how the Clippers will be successful. He's like, we didn't really freak out that much at halftime. We just said, look, if we just we we're not taking advantage of drives that we can get we can blow, get blow, guy by these guys on the perimeter, and then we're not trying to make plays to get them rotating. And he said that I go, he's right. Like if they stick to that game plan, they're probably going to get some shots to go. And then if they get their confidence going and their rhythm going, Utah might be on tilt at some point in the second half with a big league because the pressure is all going to be on them to get it back home. And when that started happening, you saw like the Clippers started driving more, started attacking bad closeouts, started getting into the paint. And instead of challenging Rudy, they kick the ball out and they make the whole defense rotate. And eventually you get Rudy on Terrence man that has, he has to run up, rush up to the corner to stop him from hitting a three. And yeah, once that thing started happening, Utah was like, shit, like how do we and stop? That's where I think he scored that's 81, where I think- 80 points in the second half. And that's where I think Quinn Snyder messed up, though, because like we're saying, like, think about it. Rudy Gobert, one defensive player of the year. Why? Because he's a rim protector, not because he can guard dudes on the perimeter. Like we saw what happened when he tried to guard Devin Booker on the perimeter. Put him on skates like that's just not his deal. That's not why he's a great defensive player. But this series kind of with the Clippers, it came down to like they were going to trust guys like Terrence Mann to be able to hit those shots even later. And when he was hitting them, when he was starting to get up to 30, Quinn Snyder made no adjustment to be like, I'm even going to tell Rudy to go out and finally guard him or I'll put a new defender in 
to like make sure these closeouts aren't there. But I, I guess that that's where the game was for me with that. Or notion. Like once you see it, before, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but if, if Rudy's guarding that dude, that dude's mashup with Rudy. So you got to exploit yeah. that other end. You got to make but him. That, and that's, that's where the biggest... again, that's where the three. Like you were saying earlier, Cole. Like they were gonna live and die by that three. And I think they got too focused on that late in that game and didn't want to make it because they were thinking offense, offense, offense at the mm-hmm. end of that game. They didn't make that adjustment, so that's how it went. And and Rudy is clearly limited offensively. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't have a lot to his mm-hmm. game, but he doesn't get the benefit of playing with. I mean, Conley was hurt, so we can't mm-hmm. really. There's that's a lot to ask of him, but like, he doesn't have the luxury of playing with a Devin Booker even, or you know, there's nobody out there that's gonna drive and throw him alive or get get him the ball yeah. in easy spots where like he can a score. Like a dump off Westbrook type of point guard. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything he scored for the most part was just off offensive rebounds, you know? Yeah. His own effort, and, right? Yeah. yeah, just off of effort and him just being bigger than everyone. But he didn't well, have – there's no one there to help. Oh, go, go ahead, Jacob. Well, and just saying that's why – like you look at what DeAndre Ayton did in game one. He mm-hmm. wasn't po- – they weren't posting – in fact, the only time that he didn't score was when they did post him up yeah. and gave him the ball. Yeah. All his – points came by punishing them in a different way by being in the right spots by running the four hard and sealing by crashing the offensive glass and the the sun's very uh um or determined to put him in different spots where they had him trailing the play instead of hanging on the dunker spot where it made it harder for the the um for them to rotate and cover it up so how three four times where you got a guy penetration just dumped it off to uh eight and rolling down the lane for a dunk and like that's the way it's not like Aiden is doing anything any advanced moves offensively he's taking advantage of the small ball units and the the large units when he had boogie out there um just by rolling hard to the rim and playing hard playing hard and being in the right spots that's all Aiden did and the Clippers didn't have any answer for it and that's something that the the Jazz weren't able to do with Gobert and that's on him that's on the team yeah, I'm glad that's a good segue into it. I'm glad you guys both brought that up because it is a personnel thing and a coaching thing because the I'm sure the Suns were watching game six and they're like, Rudy could feast on this lineup and we have DeAndre Ayton who can all do the same. If we just get downhill and have him just follow the ball, you know what I mean? Set a exactly. screen, follow the ball, and like let Book and, and Bridges and those guys just like find him for easy ones. Like he just it was like Jacob said, every time he was spots. posted, every time his, his hardest points were when he actually posted up. But every all the other stuff came from just like being in the right spot for dump offs. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think this series is going to be interesting, though, because I want to see the Clippers did through like the kitchen sink at Phoenix in game one, in some sense, because I think Ty Lue is trying to figure out at this point what what works in a post Kawhi world in terms of matching up with Phoenix. And I like huh. So, Cole, I want to know what you think, like, which lineups that you saw yesterday do you feel like were really good for the Clippers, not only from game one's perspective, but also for something that you think can last throughout a series with Phoenix trying to adjust to it from game to game? Um, Even before you get into that, though, I think just kind of worth noting that uh, the Marcus Morris injury and the the knee soreness where he was a non-factor in that game, and uh, and they just saw that uh, there's kind of no update on him. It's just he's getting 24-7 treatment on it. Um, it it's just kind of a soreness. And he only played, what, 21 minutes in that first game. I think that really 
is a huge blow to the Clippers as currently constructed without Kawhi. Because so if you don't have Kawhi, you don't have Marcus, it's going to be hard to find those lineups that you can play heavy minutes that can uh, take advantage of what the Suns are trying to do. It's kind of similar to Denver, I think, where does do the Clippers have enough firepower to keep up? If you get really small. You guys? get really small if like with no they don't have a lot of wins as it is. But yeah, exactly. if, if Kawhi is out and Morris is potentially out, you're looking at a, a small ball lineup of like Terrence Mann, Paul George, Rondo, Patrick Beverly, and Batum. Like yeah. there's no size. There's yeah. there's really not any size, or else you'd want to play Patrick Patterson, but I don't think you want to do that. Um yeah, th- that's that's gonna be the biggest thing going forward. Obviously, I mean Kawhi is the biggest and Chris Paul is the biggest, but we're kind of expecting them to miss another, at least another game for Chris Paul, Kawhi, who knows? But if, if Morris is unable to go too, I really have a hard time seeing the Clippers being able to survive more than like five games, maybe. Cause it, I mean, at that point, it's just Paul George out there scoring and uh, whatever uh, Reggie Jackson throws up out of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever he, he throws up and happens to go in, you take that. But there, there's no, there's not a lot of shot creation out there. Um, there's not a lot of dribble penetration or nobody can create for themselves. So that, that'll be, that'll be interesting. And the Morris injury, in my opinion, is like, if his knee is just sore, which I, I dealt with a lot in my career, my knees, I never got hurt on like a, yeah. I, I fell or something happened. Like his body is just worn out from them playing small so much and him having to box out and lean on Gobert and bolt and Boban. And, you know, that stuff is taxing on your body. Uh, so we might be seeing some, some, results and side effects of that um and if that's the case that's not going to get any better um yeah that'll be interesting um and, and that was the uh, deal like so much of them succeeding post Kawhi was because of paul george reggie jackson and marcus morris those guys mm-hmm. were doing the heavy lifting you got batum you got some contributions here there and man but kind of the bulkier scoring are those three players because you can't expect 20 plus out of any of those other guys. Those are the three guys that you can go out and feel reasonably confident that these guys are going to go out and give you 20, 30 points in this game. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be tough with the Suns playing the way they are, even without Chris Paul to keep to score enough. Cause we saw that in the third quarter there, it was back and forth. I don't know how many lead changes there were in that point, George Mm -hmm. hitting big threes um, possession after possession. But by the fourth quarter, uh, the Clippers just kind of ran out of gas. They didn't have enough firepower to keep up because the Suns kept going yep. because they've got so many more options and Booker obviously doing what he did. And That's the it, other thing too, like Phoenix, like in game one, the Clippers were going to have dead legs. So they like, you know, the fourth quarter was eventually going to wear on them with yeah. Phoenix having, even without CP3, having depth and playing at that pace. And I think, I think Booker, like, this is something I really, I mean, Jacob knows I've kind of been a hater throughout the first early years of his career. It's like, I feel like he's kind of like a one-man army. Um, but this this is – yesterday was where that mentality kind of shined because so I think he sensed that at least this is the part of the game where they're going to be – like fatigue is going to set in a little bit. And if I can turn it up a level, they won't be able to keep up with this. And it was incredible because I, L.A. threw different looks at him and he, he, he basically executed everything that you would need to do in that situation. If they threw, if they switched it, um, he still found a way to get around, get downhill, draw a foul, get to the line. If they, if they chased it, he got to his spot. 
if they doubled him, he got into the right spot to the, to, he got to the right outlet to where it could be, you know, where they could find the right player in the rotation for the easy three or easy layup, whatever it was. Like he, he, there was no answer for it. They tried different things and he still found the way to get around it, like, or to at least get Phoenix into an optimal position. The, the one that, thing was there, a, that was a killer yeah. moment for Devin Booker. I was like, you want your best player to be able to put his foot on the gas in a moment like that and put a team away that really from a roster standpoint, like you feel like Phoenix is better equipped to win the series if LA isn't healthy. So I think him sensing that in that moment and putting the game away essentially is big for Phoenix because I don't think they're winning a title without that, without that type of mentality from Booker. Oh yeah. And I think that, they'll get there, but I don't know. You've got to have a killer in those moments. You can't have a guy who's just kind of going through the motions with everybody else. And I think that was like a, Oh, hello. Phoenix might be for real, for real. Yeah. Like not just this year, but beyond if, if he's capable of stuff right. like that. And I think we've had a lot of moments like that with Phoenix where they've like, you've just, we've just noticed throughout this. Jordan cut out again this year, but like in years to come. Yeah. Oh, that's no good. You got me now. Yeah. yeah you're sure. good now. Cool. But yeah. Right. But yeah. yeah. No, no go ahead, say that again. We didn't get any of that. <laughs> no, I just thought with, with Phoenix, it's just like I feel like there's been a ton of moments this year where they've proven themselves as like a legit team. And I think last game playing like what did they play? Eight, nine deep, like still, mm-hmm. even without Chris Paul and Devin Booker having double digit assists is very telling of the team that they are and the team that they actually will be for years, not even just this year. Yeah. The thing that I really like about Phoenix yesterday was how well Cam Payne played against that first unit with the Clippers. Like, cause I, I you know, you, you just gotta like, you gotta figure out where the matchups are going to be in the series. And it's like, if they do get CP three back campaign playing like that with the second unit against the depleted Clippers roster, that's, that's tough. Like as good as the Clippers right. have been playing with like, um, you know, with PG playing well and uh, Ty Lue being able to match up and, and exploit things. Like if campaign is playing at that level on the second unit, like LA is going to get buried at some point. There's going to be rotations where they get caught up in like a, a minus six or a minus eight. And those will add up at the end of the game. You know what I mean? If he's playing like that, because he played like a one yesterday. And even like, you saw you saw at the beginning of the fourth quarter, like for as, I mean the game was super exciting. It was it was, it was very well played by both teams. Um, Paul George had his little run in the third quarter where he hit a bunch of threes, and Devin Booker completely took over. It was tied at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. Um, and Paul George sat those first four or five minutes, whatever it was, and when he came back in. The game was it was like nine, ten points, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the Clippers are at. And also, I mean. Devin Booker, like you said, realizing the moment and where he could pick his spots and, and taking over and whatnot and kind of realizing that, you know, this point in the game is where I need to put my foot on the gas because they're, they just played 38 hours ago. Uh, we got them right around. We got the, the crowd with us. And he fully took advantage of that. And honestly, if, if that's – if this is how the, the matchup is going to be going forward and who knows what's going to happen with Morris – um, that's honestly, I don't see how that wouldn't be a, a an ongoing thing every every game where there's just a run where the Phoenix is just better than, than whatever the Clippers have on the court, and whether it be 
uh, they have a size advantage or they're quicker or whatever it is, whatever the personnel is, like there's just going to be those moments in these games as long as this is before Chris Paul even comes back, which was just a whole nother ball game. So, yeah. And yeah, and I agree with you. I think, I think best versus best. It's like, it can be even. It's pretty even. But I think once, I think once, I mean, that's without Kawhi, but like best versus best, if Kawhi doesn't play, is still pretty even, I think, in my opinion. I think the Clippers can hang, but it's when Phoenix's second unit starts mixing into the rotations and they start mixing and matching that way that it's going to get, that Phoenix is going to put enough runs together to make the difference in the end of the game. Because they, I mean, they won by six, but those those runs that Phoenix put together when those, when, when the Clippers are trying to get guys rest, that made the difference. Like that's mm-hmm. why it was way. That's why. That's why LA was chasing the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and and where Clippers are really in trouble without Kawhi is like one thing we didn't really see is Paul George on Devin Booker. Right. Like it was almost Terrence Mann, Pat Beverly the whole time, and that's just not going to work at this point in Booker's career. Those guys are not going to be able to hold him down uh, for four games in a seven game series. It's not going to happen. Yeah. George and Kawhi are the guys on the roster that are equipped to be able to do that, but. With Kawhi out of the mix, one, that's one less guy to kind of take on that assignment. But then on the other end, that's one less guy to carry the load offensively. So, like, George can't both be the primary defender on Booker and be your number one option on offense. And that's yeah. kind of it's what they need himself. at this point. Yeah, but he just it's just not – like, guys can't do that, especially with the way that Booker is playing right now. So that that is kind of one adjustment that the Clippers can make. But if – if Morris is limited or not playing at all, um, I don't know where you go to on offense to to allow George to right. be able to take a crack at Booker and try to slow him down for more than a couple possessions here and there. Mm-hmm. Let's close out with uh, the Eastern Conference Finals matchup. We got Milwaukee. We don't really need to dissect Brooklyn because I feel like that story is pretty. We, they weren't a hundred percent. Yeah, they were. They would have got by Milwaukee. Um, yeah. So we got the Bucks versus the Hawks. <laughs> I think a matchup that's probably pretty. So I mean, I thought Milwaukee could get here until I saw the start of the Brooklyn series. Then I was less sure, but they are here, and I do still kind of like how they're constructed, um, and I like how they match up in this series with with Atlanta because you know Atlanta likes to shoot the three, and that's kind of how they live or die. Uh, Milwaukee's some similar on offense, except they have Giannis who can create the rim. Um, but man, if Middleton plays like he did just in closing moments, because I know his shooting numbers aren't great. They're not the most efficient in the world. But if he can close games like he did routinely, like he's their closer. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they acknowledge that that he's their closer, they'll be fine. They'll yeah. win. Like I actually like them. I might maybe even like them to win the whole thing. But sometimes they get stuck, like, all right, who should be who should be who should be initiating offense late game situation at this point? So I think if they live with Middleton doing that in the fourth quarter and down the stretch, they'll be good. But I don't, I don't know. How do, does Atlanta have enough to beat Milwaukee in this series? Can they keep it rolling one more time? No, not. I don't think so. Not, I mean, at least not on paper, and not from what we've seen through these playoffs. But I mean, you could argue that Philly had just as an impressive of a roster as Milwaukee did in terms of competing for a championship. Um, in terms of size, like Ben Simmons and Bead, uh, Tobias, they, that kind of rivals Milwaukee. And I mean, I, wh- whether that's just a, a poor coaching or some some mental uh, missteps here and there from Philly, like Atlanta, they 
figured it out. I mean, that, that, that points a lot to Coach McMillan. Um, I don't really trust Mike Bullenholzer as, like, I don't really trust him that much to make an in-series adjustment. Um, I think they got really fortunate that, obviously, Brooklyn dealt with a bunch of injuries and whatnot. But, like, Milwaukee's not really playing well. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know who, I don't know who's going to match up with Giannis on, on yeah. Atlanta. Uh, some of the matchups are going to be kind of funky and kind of weird. Um, but like, I, this is a, this is a, a cop-out answer, but like almost like the Western conference finals, like at this point of the playoffs, it's like, I don't even know, like a bunch of strange things have happened mm-hmm. to lead us here. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of stuff is just unpredictable. So like Milwaukee, is most likely the favorites and like they should be um but like will i be surprised if this goes seven or if atlanta figures something out absolutely not uh I, that's the easy way of saying i don't know so I'm from the matchup around. standpoint what you're saying is like it feels like milwaukee should have an easy time but we've absolutely. also had some bizarro nba stuff happen so it might happen again i think that's so like good- milwaukee should have an easy time but milwaukee hasn't had an easy time I know. Or at least my last one. I I like that. That's a good bet hedge. I think that's fine. I think I think the one thing, because I was having I was an argument earlier that I was like, yeah, you know, Drew Holiday's gonna lock up Trey Young. And then my one of my friends said to me, he was like, Yeah, but what if Drew Holiday gets two early fouls? Boom. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. well the other thing is like if Drew gets hurt, like how does that change Milwaukee's how they're structured to stop Trey? Right. if Trey just so, finds himself on a I, stupid heater. Um, sorry, we're trying to talk through Jordan's Wi-Fi real quick. Uh, but, like, Trey, like, the game seven against Philly, Trey was horrible. And they were they were playing yeah. from the lead the whole time and in that game. So you knew that Philly out. was in he's trouble. You're like, all right, Philly's in trouble now because Trey's off and it's still up for grabs. Yeah. So if he gets a stretch where he – you know, score seven or 10 in about a two minute stretch. That's the Philly's going to be chasing the game the rest of the way. And that's what happened. Yeah. And like Milwaukee scraped by, that doesn't mean their weaknesses are going away. Like they're still very clearly apparent there on tape for Nate McMillan to go back and watch and to try to exploit. So like, just because Durant happened to step on the line, on that shot at the end of regulation doesn't mean that Milwaukee is suddenly going to go back to being the juggernaut that they were during the regular season. Like the weaknesses that they were struggling with are still there and Atlanta's going to try to take advantage of those. So what answer does Mike Budenholzer have for that? And that definitely is not something that I feel comfortable with if I'm a Milwaukee fan, just based on what he's shown um, so far throughout his entire playoff career as a head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see kind of one, they're going to need Drew Holiday to play much better than he did uh, in that game and even in that series. Um, they're going to need shots. him to be big. Like, if he, if Trey Young absolutely dominates that point guard uh, matchup, then Milwaukee's going to be in trouble no matter what uh, Giannis does, I think. So, um, they're going to need their best players to play well in order to, that's the roster is much better but they need their guys to play like who they've been, who they were during the regular season, who they've been throughout their career in order for that to actually uh, play out on the court. Yeah. Just one more closing note on this. Like <laughs> he, uh, I mean, I've talked about this before and Jordan, this might sting a little, but like, I'm, a, I'm really mad when moments like potentially epic historic moments in sports get ruined by 
just something. So when the Giants beat the Patriots to stop the undefeated season in the Super Bowl after they had already beaten them like late in the regular season, that was like a bummer moment for me. Katie stepping on the line to make that a two and not a three ruined what I think, in my opinion, one of the most epic like series closer shots yeah. ever. Because what he did to even give Brooklyn a chance in that series with how injured they yeah. were was all time. And I mean, like all time yeah. MJ, great stuff, like, like, like goat stuff. And the fact that he was stepped on the line for that ridiculous shot is makes me mad. Cause I'm like, I think the NBA, like so mad that the NBA should like override it. Like, <laughs> if I was a ref, if I was a ref, like, I we're talking about crazy. this. I would have said like his shoe was this much over. Like, that's a that's ball game. He like that was ridiculous. Oh. That shot. Too bad Marv Albert wasn't making the calls there. I know, right? He <laughs> called it a three. <laughs> yeah. Who's calling that game? Can you? And then they had to go to overtime, and he already played. Like he was exhausted. Like See, that's a, that's what makes it even worse is the air ball at the end of overtime was essentially the exact same shot yeah. as the one to send it to overtime. Right. Right down to the foot on the line, the spin back, the fade away. He just happened to airball that one instead of swish it. So, Shows you how tired you can get in five minutes at oh, yeah. basketball. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when you play the previous 48. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when and you, the 48 when you before go that. to the when you go to the bench in between fourth and overtime and sit right. and your body tightens yeah. up and mm-hmm. gets stiff. Like True. that's tough. That's yep. why James True. Harden couldn't sit, right? Because like if he had sat at all during any of those games, yeah. that hammy would have locked back up and he would have been done. Yeah. Where did that okay for my man James? Where did where do they go from here? Like I know this is not like a off-season type of thing. Uh, that we're doing but like they had a bunch of guys on some well Aldridge Blake like they had a few guys mm-hmm. important guys on the little mini contracts minimal contracts like are those guys coming back do you want to bring those type of guys back you know what I mean I yeah I obviously Aldridge had to retire I think Blake right. probably would be interested in coming back and the way that he played I think they'd like to have him back we're already seeing Dinwiddie is opting out of his, mm-hmm. uh, his deal so he's going to be a free agent is DeAndre so a free agent too or is he uh, either free agent or one more year i'm not i'm hopefully okay. he's a free agent for their sake and they can clear the, the caps <laughs> <laughs> they've done the favor for durant to uh to to make the uh, yeah. him signing there happen so like we can deandre you can go ahead i mean now i mean honestly and jordan knows this because i was talking trash when does it, what, then they opened the season with the celtics or whatever and i was like brooklyn's gonna be like no one's really like on this squad yet they kind of like think they're too thin from a bench standpoint and defense. They don't have any defense, but I don't know the way I saw like Durant just carry that squad yeah. to that point, to the point where I'm like, they basically are in the conference finals. Cause he thought he was shooting a three. Um, I think that as long as they get Harden and or Kyrie healthy with KD playing at that level, I don't think, it, I don't care what they have around. Them. Oh yeah. Yeah, they'll be I just, fine. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll, they'll be yeah. They'll be fine as long as Joe Harris remembers how to shoot in the postseason. That'll be that'll be helpful, right? Yeah. So Is decent, that decent consecutive help. seasons or three seasons in a row where he's just kind of weird in the playoffs. Seriously. I I don't remember like I don't remember last I, year. Yeah, but the year before he wasn't very good either. Yeah, because because he had a chance. He had that wide open three. They're late mm-hmm. in that game. Like, that was ball game if he knocks that down. Nobody within 10 feet of him. And he was shooting lights out against uh, – who was the first round opponent? It was Boston. I'm going to come to Joe Harris's side to back him up here. He needs Kyrie. He's only good with Kyrie. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
he needs Kyrie to find him. It's a rare thing. He need yeah. he needs Kyrie to find. I don't know why. I, this is just I'm going on a whim here. I have no stats to back this up or anything. But I'm just like, I saw him play in that first round, and I was like, wow, Joe Harris is like the new elite shooter. Like yeah. he's he's that he's that new JJ Redick mold, Ray, old mm-hmm. Ray Allen mold. Like that's mm-hmm. what he is now he in the first league. round, right? And then yeah. so. I, I don't know if something was missing. I don't know if him and Kyrie are boys. He was really sad when his ankle <laughs> happened. I, I I don't know, but like, can they afford? Yeah, can they afford Mike. Doug? Can they afford Doug's a free agent? Can they afford Doug? There's no way. Doug no, was probably, killing it yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was killing it. I know. But what if Doug just wants a ring? Like, what if he just wants? I, I don't think Doug's at that point in his career. He's no, still, <laughs> no, he's still uh, continuing to establish yeah. himself. I just think, think about yeah. Doug playing off Kyrie and Katie, and like, dude, that's like that's an easy thirty, right? <laughs> Like, yeah, if, if, if you give Doug, Doug the shots that Joe Harris got, that, just give put Doug in Joe Harris's shots, like the shot quality that he got, like that's well, money, right? Joe Harris is an elite shooter and has been even before those guys got there. So like, it's yeah. not like he's a scrub that is only no. We scrubbed him. Out we, scrubbed, we just did yeah. that. We scrubbed him out already. <laughs> so it's <laughs> not like Doug would not shoot fifty three percent from three on the, the shots that Joe Harris is getting. Like it's. Uh, Joe Harris deserves some credit. Again, kind of same thing with Simmons. We can't completely forget who he is as a player because of one bad postseason series. He's just got to not let that happen again. How many? And they need to have some help, it? and then Brooklyn will be fine. How many postseason series before you can scrub out a player? How many? What's the what's the number? Uh, good question. Like, like so that people ask us about Rudy. Like, how many postseasons in a row does Rudy have to get targeted like that before it's like a problem? Or like a trend. Well, and I think again, but we talked about with Rudy, it's not even as much like if it's individually, like Joe Harris, that was a case of him individually just completely failing. He was still getting looks. True. Um, I think there's a lot lot more factors. Like everybody gets excited. Everybody gets excited when the Knicks are good. And I've already lived through this. I know what happens when the Knicks are good. They lose. <laughs> like Trey Young silencing MSG, that's tradition for me. I've seen that before. Like I know what happens when those dudes go into MSG and MSG starts talking to them, like Reggie, MJ, like LeBron, name them. Like everybody goes into MSG and closes out the Knicks. That's what happens. MSG is for other people. Like it's not for uh-huh. the Knicks. It's for other players to be legends. That's <laughs> So like that that's what I mean. Like how many does it take to, before it's a, a trend or whatever? All right. Well, we'll we'll see if we can uh we'll pro- the good thing is we'll have one of Cole or Jacob in a good mood for the NBA finals. So like that's uh, at least good though. So um when, when are we getting when are we getting Jordan's rant? We we ran out of time last yeah last we did. Episode, unless you guys already did an episode. We don't have to talk no, about it's it. Bill, they signed, it, it's they signed Bill. Al Horford and I don't want to say anything. <laughs> It did. <laughs> it, the the rant got way longer. We're just gonna have to do like a full episode. You guys, uh, yeah, let me talk about all the problems with the Boston Celtics for two hours and not interject. Like that's gonna be have to be an episode because yeah, that's where we're get, at here in Boston now. So we'll drop that on like a random yeah. Wednesday where like Jordan's Boston Celtics in like the yeah. wee hours of the night. We'll get yeah. a huge case of Sammy Adams. <laughs> and we'll just, <laughs> Three a.m. Yeah. Let's get Brad Stevens too. Yeah, let's give President Brad Stevens a chance to make a few more moves to really set Jordan off and then kind of just uh, review the whole thing. Yeah, he's got a coach to hire. I bet Jordan will be set off by that. <laughs> there we go. All right, everybody. Thanks for yeah, tuning in. Yeah. Check out Jacob's work at Hell Varsity. Go to Scur- Do you have a website up for Scurry Hoops yet? Where's your gear at, Jordan? Scurry Hoops is just the gear right now. We're working on getting 
the writing from Sneaker Reporter to put onto a link there. But still, sneakerreporter.com. Yeah, check out get, – get Jordan's gear, start buying some of that merch, and then check out Cole's work. I think you're still at The Athletic, right? Are you the CEO of The Undefeated yet, or what's going on right now? <laughs> that doesn't it's even, only been a week, but – You don't even get a response for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check out Cole's work at The Athletic. He's doing a great job. Um, he's got some – are you going to be on any of those Clippers podcasts too, 213? Yeah, a little, a little bit later today, a couple hours. All right, cool. Yeah, follow oh, Cole's yeah. work. If you're not following him on Twitter, it's at Cole Hoops, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. follow all his work. He covers the Aces, yeah. covers the Clippers. He's he's a, he's a name to learn in the game, people. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Lucas and Robin at Two One Three Hoops. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I like. I like because Jacob cut his teeth like at Bright Side of the Sun, and like Cole's kind of coming up doing the same kind of thing. So it's like it's like a uh, good little synergy going on here. Well, and, and I know, like, I actually met Lucas. He kind of dr- drove across the country at one point, so I got I met him like while he was stopping through Omaha. So I've known him for a few years. So once I saw that, um, like he came actually met, like DM, he told me, Hey, uh, Cole Huff actually uh, applied to be right here. And I was like, Oh, sweet. That's awesome. So he plugged he'd, he'd be me, awesome for you guys. Basically. You plugged yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> learn, something, learn something new every day. So I wouldn't have this position with the athletic Jacob, because I wouldn't it. have this position at 213 hoops if it weren't for Jacob. And we can we'll, we'll just say it that way. And he'll trade and he'll trade you that for a son's trip to the finals. <laughs> there we go. As long as he doesn't, in as long the he doesn't beat anybody later. up. Just don't beat <laughs> anyone up and say sons and four. I've, I've <laughs> never beat anybody up in my life, so I don't think we're in danger there. Very good. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll hit you up in a week or so with some new content. So thanks for tuning in to Scurry in the Scrub episode, I don't know, 50 or something. Later. <laughs>